0: He is who he has revealed himself to be, and he has revealed himself to be the maker of heaven and earth. He is the God of the angels. He is the God of the seas. He is God of the forests and the fawns. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And yes, it's true. He's too much for us. He's got too much majesty for us, so that there's this almost unbelievable gap between a holy God and a holy spirit. In an unholy sinner, so he sends his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to bridge the gap. And his Son came down here and became one of us. He became one of us to be shattered on the good wood of the cross, to be exposed to every predation of every one of our enemies, to bring us into the presence of God. So yes, he's too much for us. But not when we're in the sanctuary. Because here in the sanctuary, we have the blood of Christ. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. So buckle up buckle up buckle up here we go uh, we've been picking up psalms here on these festival Sundays in the church year today's going to be no exception psalm 29 is the historic chosen lesson for Holy Trinity Sunday and we're going to take a look at why it is and so buckle up cuz this psalm really um, it's it's a psalm that modern Christians need to hear for a lot of reasons here's what it says a psalm of david the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord... Give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The word of the Lord. So there's this phenomenon that most Christians know about. It's called the Christian church year. Most Christians follow it. The first part of the church year is the ch- part of the church year where you follow the life of Christ. So you start out and you anticipate Christ in Advent. Then you receive Christ at Christmas. Then you experience Christ's wonders and and works and, and his words and epiphany. And then in Lent, you watch him die. And then at Easter, you watch him rise. And then at Pentecost, you watch him send the Holy Spirit into your life. So, well, that's the first half of the church year, the life of Christ. But then you start the second half of the church year, which starts today. And it's all about the life of the church. And the very first question that the church has to answer in its life with God is this one. Who is God? Thus you have Holy Trinity Sunday. This is who God is. And thus you have this Psalm. Now, there's going to be a lot that we're going to say about God from this psalm, and we're going to say a lot of it in just a moment, but at the very least, we can say this right now. God bursts all of our logical categories. At the very least, this psalm teaches us that, that God bursts all of our logical categories. That God is is a God who He's is three in one. We don't worship three gods. We worship one God, and yet there are three persons in in God. How is that possible? I don't know. He is a supra-rational God. He is a God who defies and breaks all human logical categories. Like the Apostle Paul said, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. So the very first thing you learn about God is that God confounds us. He is too much for us. But I think that this psalm offers us something more on Holy Trinity Sunday. You know what I think is unique about it? I think what's unique about this psalm is that it offers you not a teaching on God, but rather an experience of him. That's important. Because I can explain God to you till I'm blue in the face and you might never get it. But if you experience him. Mark Twain once talked about the difference between explanation and experience like this. Very famous quote. He said, A man who carries a cat by the tail learns something he can learn in no other way way so the experience of the psalm starts in heaven there you see god there you see him and he is surrounded by what the hebrew says are the sons of god which is Hebrew poetry poetry for the angels. There you see God high and exalted so that the the creation's most exalted beings, these powerful, supernatural, angelic beings, must give him all their glory and all of their honor. These creatures that if we experienced them would make us fall flat on our face in terror. So the experience starts out in heaven. And you see these angels, these otherworldly angels, giving God all of their glory and all of their strength and all of their might. And if you experience that, that's going to make the light bulb go on. Who is God? He is totally transcendent totally other, totally different, over and against everything in heaven and on earth, including the holy angels. You know, have you ever thought about this? In Christianity's most important and most sacred prayer, we start like this, Our Father, who is in heaven, Why do we pray that? What in the world are we talking about? We had a Bible study at Peace not all that long ago where we we talked about it, but it bears repeating again and again. We are not talking about God being in another dimension. We are not talking about God being in another reality. We are not talking about a place at all. Think about it. When we say that God is in heaven, we're not saying that God, we're not talking about the fact that God is everywhere because God simply cannot be localized. God simply cannot be contained. God cannot be circumscribed by anything, so we're not talking. We're not talking about a location we're not talking about where he is we're talking about who he is he is totally different he is off in heaven With total deliverance, supreme glory, supreme power, supreme transcendence, God is other. So this psalm, it starts out on Holy Trinity Sunday doing so much more than making sure that we're not worshiping an idol. And making sure that we understand that we're worshiping Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This song, this psalm, when you experience it, helps you see. See that when when you see that God is totally different, totally other, then you understand this. God will not be who you want him to be. God will not be who you wish he was. God will not be who you imagine him to be, who you debate him to be, who you pray him to be. He will be who he is. And he will be who he has always been. See, and when you get that, when you get that, then you can stop with all this nonsense where we try to extrapolate God out from our trusted inductions like I know who God is because I know physics or I know God because I know the musings of the poets or I know God because I know the speculations of the theologians. Oh, no, 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 no. On Holy Trinity Sunday, the church can get down to the business of honoring God, not for who we imagine him to be, not who for we wish him to be, but for who he actually is, the God who has revealed himself to be. And I'd suggest the best way to start with that right now is to receive this psalm. So the psalm starts out in heaven. And you have experience of this totally transcendent God. But then the psalm moves God to earth. Now, God, you catch a sight of God out over the ocean. There the Lord is confounding the seas. His his mouth, his voice is so majestic, so powerful that it is stirring up the oceans. You know, I thought that the Chattahoochee River was loud in Helen, Georgia. I thought that Niagara Falls was absolutely deafening. But when you hear God over the oceans, then you get it. God's Voice is so majestic, so powerful. It's like nothing else in heaven or on earth. God comes to earth and he starts out over the ocean, but then he comes closer and now he's over the mountains. He's over the mountains right next to the sea there at altitude. There in Lebanon, the massive cedars grow. There is God shattering them. I, uh, I live in a subdivision called the Ridge. I love the Ridge. It's my home. But I also love the Ridge because it's properly named. I live on a ridge. And so from the Ridge in my house that's on the very top, I can see other ridges. And you know what I love to do? I love to watch the storms roll in, because I can see, I can see the storm hit the other ridge, and then the hills starts to dance with the power of the storm, and I can see it before it gets to my house. Do you see this? God is over the mountains. There you see him. There the cedars shatter. They just shatter. That's what the poet says. They just shatter. When God is over the mountains, he is like an F5 tornado. He rips up the cedars. These cedars that the commentators say are over 100 feet tall. These these cedars that are, you know, the good wood. The stuff that you build your houses out of. The stuff that you build your temples out of. The good wood. The powerful wood. The wood. The trunks of which are heading towards 10 feet thick. When God is over the mountains, he takes those cedars. He rips them in in half so that the poet says it's like this it's not that the hills dance it's that the mountains buck like a wild animal and the cedars are ripped up from their pylons and thrown down to the earth First God is out over the ocean, then he's there over the mountains, and then he comes closer still. Now he's over the wilderness. He's over the desert. He's this dark cloud. Flames of fire burst forth from him, the poet says. Lightning, stabbing the sky, scarring the earth. The poet says, underneath God, that the wilderness writhes like a woman in childbirth, but there's never any life. Such an excruciating experience. You, you talk to any woman who struggles with infertility, you find out that her greatest pain is that she still has to go through all of the things that are supposed to create life, but it never does. God is over the wilderness, The wilderness writhes in childbirth, but there's never any life that comes. And then God comes closer still. Now you see him right over there. He's over the forest right near you. He is so majestic and so powerful that you notice a deer, the poet says. And the deer gets so scared that the deer has a premature birth. And there's a fawn there. And the forest is stripped bare against God's glory. You know, I, can, <laughs> I have to confess, I can be so ignorant sometimes. I, I told a story last week where I was running through the woods. And I take this path and I scared a little fawn out. I didn't realize what damage I could have done. I found that out this week. There's a story I heard. It's a true story. There was a a fawn that this man noticed. And it was hidden in a little thicket, but the man became concerned because the fawn didn't move. It just sat there for hours. And so the man became concerned. He's thinking that there's maybe something wrong with the fawn. And so the guy calls up the DNR and he says, there's this fawn, it's just laying there, it hasn't moved for hours. And the DNR says, don't go near him. That's what fawns do. They will stay in the same place for hours. They hide in the thicket, and the mother brings them food. Don't go near, you might scare away the mom. This is such a scary scene. God comes close. He scares the mother doe. The doe gives premature birth. The the forest is stripped bare so that the fawn is vulnerable to every predation. So that now the fawn is exposed and now essentially doomed to death. See, God comes closer and closer and closer. And as he does, you see that his glory is too much. It's too much. Everything that it touches arrives and it's exposed. God is too much. So this is our second experience with God, our our first experience with God was an experience of transcendence. But here our second experience with God is his imminence. He comes close to us. And we see his majesty is just too much for us. You know, I was doing some commentary before on the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. I should probably do some commentary on the end to the Lord's Prayer. What do we say? We say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do we ever stop and think about what that means? What that really means? God is is too much. Can I ask you something? I wonder if people think about this. You can tell me after church. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever wondered why you've never seen God? You've never seen him. Why not? Wouldn't it be nice if you came to church and (laughs) there's like a little ray of God's glory dust like dancing around the altar. You could experience a little bit of God. Why have we never seen God? Why does he insist on only coming to you through a psalm, through a baptism, through the Lord's Supper? Why have you never seen God? He's too much. Martin Luther, he's got a great quote on this. He was commenting on Psalm 29 here. This is what he said. He said, people think if I could hear God speaking in his own person, I would run so fast to hear him that my feet would bleed. (laughs) And if I had come there and had seen only a poor preacher baptized and preached, then I no doubt would have said, ha, I have taken pains to come here, and I see only a minister. He writes, "We we should like to have God speak with us in his majesty, but I advise you. Don't go there. I advise you the same. Don't go there. If you met God over the cedars, you would be ripped up from the pylons of your life like Dorothy in Kansas. If you meet God In the forest, you will be exposed and doomed to death like that fawn. Don't do it. I had an experience um, of my own a few years ago. I had a lady who I was talking to, enjoying a conversation with her. And she told me she was a Christian. It was an interesting statement that she said she was a Christian because as she talked with me, it became very, very clear that she didn't believe anything that was actually Christian. So I said to her um, exactly that, in as gentle and clear terms as as I could. And I said, I'd love to share with you what the teachings of Jesus actually are. And then this is what she returned to me. She said, no, I don't think so. And then she told me why. She said, because I'm comfortable with God. I was thankful for that experience because she taught me something. She taught me that one of the best ways that you can know that you have no idea who God is, is that you are comfortable with him. Should you, should you be comforted by him? 100%. You should be comforted by God. Should you be comforted by his word and his promises? Yes, you should be comforted by his word and his promises. But should you ever be comfortable with God? You should be more comfortable climbing down into a nuclear reactor than you should be with God. So the psalm starts you out in heaven. And then it moves God to earth. And God comes closer and closer. He stirs up the oceans. And then he topples the cedars. And then he makes the wilderness writhe. And then he's got this fawn that's vulnerable and doomed to death. But there's one last experience you get in the psalm. Now all of a sudden, it's not that God is coming closer and closer and closer. Now all of a sudden, in the psalm, you're with Him. You are in God's sanctuary. And the psalmist says that there, here, in God's sanctuary, all people cry. Glory! that's the word glory there's the only word for it glory because it's here in the sanctuary where you finally see god for everything that he is not just that he is this transcendent god who is over all of heaven and earth, not just the angels, not just God in his imminence and in his majesty as he comes close to you and he's too much for you, not just that, but that here on Holy Trinity Sunday, you start to see that when we worship the Holy Trinity, it is not just theological grammar. It is not just the church saying, Church, we are a monotheistic religion. We believe in one God. It is not just the church coming to you and saying, There is one God, but there are three persons in God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's not just that. It's us coming to understand through the experience of the Psalm that it's not theological grammar, but rather it is our life. It's our life. There is God, high above everything. And no... He is not who we wish him to be or who we we debate him to be or who we speculate him to be. He is who he is. He is who he has revealed himself to be and he has revealed himself to be the maker of heaven and earth. He is the God of the angels. He is the God of the seas. He is God of the forests and the fawns. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And yes, it's true. He's too much for us. He's got too much majesty for us so that there's this almost unbelievable gap between a holy God and a holy, and an unholy sinner so he sends his son Jesus Christ our Lord to bridge the gap and his son came down here and became one of us he became one of us to be shattered on the good wood of the cross to be exposed to every predation of every one of our enemies to bring us into the presence of God so yes he's too much for us but not when we're in the sanctuary. Because here in the sanctuary, we have the blood of Christ, who brings unholy people into the presence of a holy God where they can stand. And yes, it's true. Sometimes we hear that precious gospel, and instead of that making us You know, comfortable with God's words and God's promises, we get comfortable instead with God. And that's why God sends the Spirit to give us an experience of God. So that you can come into the sanctuary today and cry, Glory! Glory to the God of the angels, glory to the God of the seas and the mountains, and the cedars, and the forests, and the fawns. And while I'm at it, glory to God that we now know that there are no powers on earth or in heaven that can stop His saving purposes in our lives. Glory to God that there are no cedars so strong on this earth that he won't rip up to have us. Glory that there are no deserts he won't cross and there are no forests that he won't rip apart to expose us to his glory. And since I must, on Holy Trinity Sunday, glory to God, that we now have experienced that the transcendent God is the imminent God who has come to us through Jesus so that we can safely stand in his sanctuary now and in eternity and forever together cry glory Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. To the great one in three, eternal praises be forevermore. His sovereign majesty. May we in glory see, and to eternity, love and adore.